Do you spend hours in your head thinking about something that happened, could have happened, or might happen? Do you ask others what to do so you don't make a mistake? Welcome to the Playing It Safe podcast. I am Dr. Z, your host. I am a clinical psychologist, an author, and a person that is super passionate about sharing with you science-based skills to overcome any type of fear-based struggles. Who doesn't experience fear? Who doesn't play it safe? In this show, we will discuss how fear-based reactions happen in day-to-day life, how playing it safe behaviors look like, sound like, and feel like, how you can put into action solid tips from behavioral science to get unstuck from worries, fears, obsessions, and anxieties, and how you can start doing what works, what matters, and what you care about. Behavioral science doesn't have to be boring. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hi, everybody. I am back with a new episode of the podcast Playing It Safe. In this episode, I interviewed Dr. Cheryl Robinson. Cheryl is an international speaker. She's the founder of Ready to Roar and is a regular contributor at Forbes Women. You can follow Cheryl on Instagram at Embrace the Pivot. In this conversation, Cheryl shares her expertise on how people make pivots, how people go from point A to point B. We also talk about self-confidence. Self-confidence is a key idea when you are making a pivot. In this interview, you will hear Cheryl's frame, my frame, what's common and what's different in our views of self-concept. I really enjoyed my conversation with Cheryl and got a lot from it. I hope you enjoy it too. So let's begin. Cheryl, so great to have you in the podcast. I'm excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Well, the last couple of months, I have been listening to your podcast, Pivot. And maybe we can start there. If you can share with the audience how you decide to come out with a podcast, what was your process, and then we can talk about some of these plain it safe moves that we have been chatting about. Sure. Let's see. The podcast really came out of when the pandemic hit. And I would always tell people, if I had time, I would do X, Y, and Z. Well, now I had time. I was home all the time. And I just said, it's now or never. You have the time. Start reaching out to people. It's going to be fine. And I should backtrack a little bit and say that I am a regular contributor at Forbes Women, and it was through that column that I have, I highlight individuals who have successfully pivoted in their career. And I like to think that I'm known as the queen of pivots, and I have now interviewed over 300 individuals around pivoting and how they have successfully pivoted. And the podcast was always in the back of my mind to do. And with the podcast, I have so much more freedom in who I can interview, what we can talk about. So I just carried over that concept of pivoting into a podcast, 
where people can listen on a weekly basis to not just women, but men as well, and how they were able to go from point A, and then when point A didn't work, they pick themselves up and go to B, C, D, et cetera. And with pivoting, there's so many different words to describe pivoting. It's a transition, it's a career change, it's leveling up, it's going from point A to point B to point C, it's failing forward, right? All these different terms. Mm-hmm. And I just like talking about it and I'm really passionate about helping people. So the podcast came from me wanting to share my information with the world. I totally see why people refer to you as a queen of pivoting. Listening to your podcast, reading some of your articles, I definitely see that your forte has been identifying what helps people to go from point A to point B. One of the things you and I were chatting before recording the interview was how our fears evolve, morph, and shift. Sometimes people may try to do things right and perfect. Sometimes people may postpone things, procrastinate. Sometimes people may get hooked on stories about themselves, about not being good enough. So what are the most common playing it safe moves that you have seen? So during my interviews, and again, I've interviewed 300 people, Mm -hmm. and there's three common themes And the first one is self-confidence, which, you know, we could talk about that (laughs) later, but it was just the confidence in themselves to know that, okay, I'm going to make something happen. Mm -hmm. It's not where I'm going to let that fear hold me back from actually going after what I want. And in pivoting, there's two types. There's the personal pivots and then there's the professional pivots. And I talk to people about their career pivots. So, so many people expressed how unhappy they were or they outgrew their position or some were just thrown into a pivot. They got fired, they got laid off, et cetera. But they had to know that they would be able to carry themselves, make something happen and just keep moving instead of letting that fear of not having money or the Mm -hmm. fear of not reaching that level of success that maybe others think that they should achieve, but, you know, hold them back and they do nothing. They took that leap of faith. And that's the core theme. Number two is risk taking. Mm-hmm. Everyone, okay, not everyone, the majority of people say you have to jump two feet in when you're going to successfully pivot. Because if you still have one foot in, one foot out, you're never mm-hmm. going to put 100% focus onto making that pivot successful because you have that cushion. And a, and a lot of times it depends on people's finances, maybe health reasons, but in order to move quicker to get to where you want to go, you have to jump two feet in. You mm-hmm. have to take that fear block out the white noise and go for it. And then the third core theme is networking. Mm -hmm. It's not so much the quantity of your network, but it's the quality of your network. And the imposter syndrome really comes into play with networking, believe it or not, because so many people, you develop this reputation, you build out your contacts, but then you're afraid to ask. Mm -hmm. And for me, for a while, I would... 
it was easy for me to ask something of someone for somebody else. Mm-hmm. But when it came to myself, oh, I don't want to step on their toes. I don't want them to feel obligated to anything. And I really had to let that go. And mm-hmm. I said, they like you, you have a good reputation. When I ask for someone else, they're more than willing to help out. So why wouldn't they want to help me out? Mm-hmm. And it is being able to have that positive reputation behind you. And for all the times that you help other people. So for me, I'm going, I help this one do this. I help that one do that. It's okay for me to ask them for help now. They were, they felt fine asking me for help. So with the imposter syndrome, especially for women, you have to, or I found that you really have to understand the value that you bring to the table and it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to go after it. And when you have those three uh, core themes all lined up, that helps you in the long run, make your goals successful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I appreciate how in your research, you have identified different processes that help a person to make a pivot. I think sometimes there is a misconception that only one action, only one step is going to take us where we want to go. And we put all our efforts there. But based on what you have shared, it's actually a combination of variables that help us to make a shift. Now, Cheryl, I am super curious of your personal pivot. What was the shift you experienced from the beginning of your work to where you are right now? Well, the personal pivot was coming from, okay, I do this for other people and I see where they go. And I have, I've connected a lot of people who've received jobs, received funding for their businesses, and I see them doing what they set out to do. And I was sort of in that limbo area, if you will, that's not even the right term, but we'll just say limbo for now, Mm -hmm. where I, I know what I bring to the table. I see where I want to go, but I'm not getting there. It's how can I make that happen? Like what was lacking between what I want to do to like get there. Mm -hmm. And I really had to work on you're worth it. Mm -hmm. You bring value to the table. You're not being a nuisance or annoying them, or they're not going to be frustrated. And I started asking my close friends around Mm -hmm. me. And then when they all said, yes, I went to the next layer of connections and they said, absolutely. What do you need? Let's meet up. Then I went to the next layer and the next layer. And now it's not so much me asking people, but people are saying, how can I help you? They Mm -hmm. reach out to me and say, how can I help you? And that's just because I built my reputation up and I wholeheartedly believe that networking is the number one key to success. Mm -hmm. Who you know gets you in the door, what you know keeps you there. And it's building out that network and just saying, I deserve this. And you're not asking them in a mean way. You're not saying, blatantly coming out to them saying, I deserve your help. It's just over those years, you've developed those meaningful relationships. And now it's okay to ask for help. 
So many people think that they have to do it on their own. It's okay to ask for help. And then I love my interns. My (laughs) interns, I give them value. I'm teaching them stuff. They give me value because they're creating my content. And it's a wonderful mix where I talk to some people and go, wait, I can have interns? And I said, it's okay. And again, that's that help. It's being okay asking for help. So again, I had to overcome it and I know other people had to overcome it, but it's just knowing you don't have to do this alone. It's okay to ask for help. I think what I love from what you share is that at some point there is a shift in how you perceive the worth that you can bring to others. You have this frame of reference and then you start taking action. Will it be fair to say that in order to handle this imposter syndrome or this fear about asking for help, maybe we have to do both. Look at your context and then take the steps. Would you agree with that? 100%. And on that note, another common fear that I hear is the fear of making mistakes, the fear of not doing things right. Just curious, how did you experience this fear in your work and in your personal life? (laughs) Let's say, I think you're raised, especially in the United States, well, from my experience, Mm -hmm. that starting as in kindergarten, you have to be perfect. If you don't get those A's, you're not going to get into a good school. And if you don't get into a good school, you're not going to get a good job. And if you don't get a good job, you're not going to be able to provide for your family. So it's, it starts very young at you have to be perfect at everything. Or if you're not the star athlete, you won't get that scholarship. And if you don't get that scholarship to play in college, you won't go on to be a professional athlete. And what's so amazing is really in anything, there's always that 1%. It's that 1% that is going to be perfect, right? And then it's everybody else. And not that my parents always said, you have to be perfect, but that society, that's around you all the time. My parents said, whatever makes you happy, Mm -hmm. go for it, try it out. And if it doesn't work out, you move on to the next thing. It's okay. So I was battling between society in home life, right? Mm-hmm. The, two, the two mixed messages. And I, I was always a risk taker. I always mm-hmm. believed the regret of wondering what if was greater than if I failed, quote unquote failed. Because I don't think you only fail if that blocks you from moving on, mm-hmm. but it's a lesson learned if you keep going. So After come college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I moved out to California for two years. I knew Mm -hmm. one other person out there and I just went for it. (laughs) And that's always been my motto. Why not? What's the worst thing that could happen? Mm -hmm. And I I do get scared (laughs) that it's not that there's no fear. I just have to understand where the fear is coming from. Mm-hmm. understand what it's protecting me from, acknowledge it. And if it's legitimate, I don't do it. But if this mm-hmm. is, you're overthinking something, like this is never going to happen. You're totally overthinking. You're psyching yourself out. I go for it. And that was with everything that I've done in my life. All the 
jobs I went for, all the positions, even grad school, my doctorate program. Yeah, it's going to be scary starting something new. But do you want to be two, three years out going, what if I did do this? So even with the podcast, I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I just went for it. And I said, I'll figure it out along the way. I got a microphone. Like I knew I had to have a microphone. So that was one, (laughs) but everything else I I didn't know. And then COVID hit. Well, other people don't have microphones. So you got to roll with it. And how do you edit? Where do you find your intro songs? And it's just the podcast has evolved technically mm-hmm. too, as the material. I, I remember my very first Forbes interview that I did. Mm-hmm. This was the first time being at a large publication. And I thought the interview, and this is where I was actually interviewing people. Mm-hmm. All my other writing has been first person or just covering an event. It wasn't interviewing. Different. And I remember my very first interview I thought it had to be an hour long because Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to waste their time and get into all that. So I came up with all these questions, but we blew through the questions quickly. So then I just had to come up with questions on the fly Mm -hmm. and I'm going, well, it's almost an hour. I think we're good. Well, by the third interview with that, I said, I can break this down to 15, 20 minutes and people appreciate that it's a 15, 20 minute conversation versus an hour long conversation when maybe I will <laughs> only use about five minutes of what they said. So it's, it, <laughs> everything is a learning process. And if you wait for it to be perfect, it's never going to be perfect. You're, you're always going to find something that's wrong and you just, you got to laugh it off. You got to brush it off. We're all human. We all make mistakes and you move on. No one is perfect. I, and if someone can show me a perfect person, I will pay them a million dollars. And all my travels, everyone that I've interviewed, I have not found one perfect person yet. Um. <laughs> That's a beautiful response. I think it captures the pressure that we receive to do things right. And all these messages that in order to succeed, you have to do things in a particular way. I think the challenge is that these messages can be so embedded in our day-to-day life that we are hoping for the perfect date, we're hoping to have the perfect speech, we're hoping to have the perfect image. So I think it's super important to step back and look at what works for each one of us and find and define our own sense of success. Cheryl, you mentioned that when making your personal pivot, it was very helpful for you to distinguish when we are overthinking some stuff versus when there is a valid reason to be afraid of a particular situation. I'm wondering if you could please share a little bit about that distinction process mainly because a very common plain it safe action is to think and think and think a lot about different situations because we think that we are doing some form of problem solving, but actually we're keeping ourselves stuck in a thinking loop since we're not taking action. So how did you distinguish that when making your personal pivot? 
I like to call it the rabbit hole. Mm, and, it is a rabbit hole. <laughs> and when you really get to the point where then you are seeing yourself dying or seeing yourself at a funeral and your world imploding, that's when you're going down the rabbit hole and you need to take a step back. I had a client and I, during COVID, my I know we're all not where we thought we would be. And before COVID hit, I had this plan of in August, it was going to be it with this client and done deal. We were going to mm-hmm. go our separate ways, but COVID happened and I lost a lot of gigs, as mm-hmm. I call it, speaking engagements, corporate workshops, all that type of stuff that I do. And I said, no, we can do this. We can do this. I st- I transitioned everything over to online. So I'm building out workshops online mm-hmm. and August came and I said, okay, you have to make a decision. Do you want to part ways or do you want to still have a steady paycheck coming mm-hmm. in? Mm-hmm. And that's where I didn't necessarily go down the rabbit hole. And when I was thinking, and I thought a lot and a lot, but it was valid, that fear of not having a steady income right now, that's valid. Mm-hmm. And I kept the client mm-hmm. <laughs> because for who knows what's going to happen. And right now in this moment, I need that steady income, mm-hmm. but once I started it, you had talked about the doom and gloom scenarios. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am 100% the doom and gloom. I like to earn, I, can I rewind a little bit? Not so much doom and gloom, but worst case scenario. That's mm-hmm. because for me, how I think and operate, if I could think of the worst case scenario and feel that, okay, this isn't going to surprise me, it's easier for me to move forward. Because I already know in the back of my mind, well, this could happen. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be surprised if it does, but we're still going to go for it. And with this client, I was thinking worst case scenario and mm-hmm. what is going to happen, but I didn't see my world imploding. So I said, okay, this is a valid fear. This is something to really consider. And that's what I did. I I weighed the pros and the cons. And for me at this point in time, having that steady paycheck was worth it. I think your response captures the way that I think of context. In this particular moment, in this particular situation, this is an effective response. It's possible that in two years, three years, the same context may require different responses. So it seems to me that being flexible, noticing the context and what you need in a given moment, it's helpful to distinguish when you are overthinking some situations versus when you need to take action. Yep. Now, another question that comes to my mind as we are chatting about personal pivots is that sometimes our mind comes up with a lot of thoughts about us not being good enough. So in your experience, what have you found that is helpful and effective to handle those thoughts? All right. That's a good question. (laughs) So it it comes down to, I'm going to use the term Mm self-confidence and 
the people that I have interviewed, they have all referenced at some point during the interview how they knew that they outgrew the position or they just weren't happy and they had always had some sort of goal in their mind and they knew if they stayed any longer, Mm -hmm. their soul was going to die. That's the only way to describe it. Mm -hmm. And when you get to that moment, you have to start coming up with a plan. And as many of them just took two, jumped two feet in, a lot of them, they planned it out. They said, okay, six months, this is where I have to be. And then in a year, this is where I have to be. Then I'll go for it. And it is, planning is important, but you have to understand the plan isn't going to go necessarily as you planned. And (laughs) there's a million ways to get to where you want to go. And you're going to have to pivot multiple times and whether, and although we talk about pivoting as a career change, you also have to pivot your mindset and that those are multiple pivots a day, sometimes based on the scenario that you're in or the task that you're working on. And in COVID, everyone was pivoting, whether career strategy, business plan, leadership style, everyone had a pivot during the pandemic. And I did say, everyone's taking my word. (laughs) I've been talking about this for a long time now. (laughs) And for me, it's, I I always have to be in forward motion. Mm -hmm. That's for me. And yeah, when I do something, it's great when people like it. But at the end of the day, I have to be happy with myself. Mm -hmm. I'm the person who I'm with all the time. And if I'm not happy if I didn't do something because someone said, don't do it, then how am I valuing myself? I'm not. You really have to understand everyone brings some sort of value to the table. And once you believe in yourself, mm-hmm. there, you know, there's a difference between like, hi, I'm Cheryl. I, I'm founder of Ready to Roar versus, hi, I'm Cheryl, founder of Ready to Roar. Such a difference. You can tell which personality believes in herself versus someone who has no clue what's going on and hopes mm-hmm. no one sees her. And it, it's just about going, I got this and we got to try. And my favorite thing is what's the worst that anyone can tell you is no. And if that's <laughs> the worst anyone can tell you, why aren't you trying? And that, that's what I say to myself. And that's what gets me going and remains forward. Yeah. What I hear, Cheryl, is that you have found a way to handle these thoughts And that way really comes with a lot of acknowledging what you can contribute to a project, what you can create, and also involves taking action. Now, in my case, because I practice from this frame that is called acceptance and commitment therapy, we always invite people to identify their personal values, to identify what's truly important to them. And then we encourage them to take steps towards living those values. In the process of living our values and doing the things that are important to us, we learn skills to handle all types of thoughts, feelings, sensations, and all the stuff that may come up our way. So 
our frame will be that when those thoughts come up, more than trying to prove them right or wrong or dwelling on them, we invite you to learn how it is to continue taking action while having those thoughts. So I think a commonality between the frame that you have find that works for you and the frame I'm mentioning is that when we are clear of what matters to us, we know that the rejection, the struggle, the fear of people saying no, the fear of saying the wrong things are all worth it. We just have to keep moving. Now, one of the challenges I encounter is that while we have this frame, it's really hard to put that into action day by day. So what I encounter in my work is that many times people have micro fears. And I am curious here if in your experience when you are helping and guiding people to make pivots, how do you handle those micro fears that show up in the process of making a shift? I read a great book called The Power of Habit. Mm-hmm. And it it really, it talks about your mindset and the psychology and marketing around habits. And the biggest lesson I took away was do one thing a day differently than you normally do. And in 30 days to 45 days, you'll be doing something different. Mm-hmm. And when you get comfortable with that one thing, go to two things a day, three things, right? So eventually you're changing your lifestyle, you're changing all of your habits. But when I do it, it's the mindset habit. It's when I start going down that rabbit hole, I say, whoa, you're going down the rabbit hole, take a step back. Mm -hmm. One, you don't have all the information. And two, what like so why hallucinate something horrible when you don't have all that information and two it's what's one thing you can think differently about Mm -hmm. and then when that becomes the habit I start thinking about two things differently three things and that's how you're able to pivot your mindset to create a new habit which then leads to a different mindset and it's if you're constantly saying I don't have enough money for that. I don't have enough money for that. I don't, I can't afford to pay someone to do marketing. You're always going to be stuck in that mindset and that Mm -hmm. fear that you don't have enough money. But if you start just one little tweak and maybe you say, how can I get the money for this? Mm -hmm. What project can I work on to get the money for this? just tweak it a little bit. Your mind is going to start opening up to different opportunities and possibilities. Like you'll start seeing them. They may have already been in front of you, but with that mindset, it's not there. Or if you want to pivot to a new company, but you're saying, oh, I'm going to have to start from the bottom again. And, oh, I don't want to build my reputation up somewhere else. Start thinking a little bit differently. Start saying, okay, I bring so much value to the table. What position at that new company aligns with the value that I bring to the table? So it's just those little shifts that create that new mindset and that help that fear calm it down a little bit so that you can move forward. What comes to my mind when listening to your response is that 
I think it makes a huge difference when we learn to relate to our mind as a device that is constantly generating content all the time, non-stopping. Not as a device that has the truth and it's always right. So I think that when we learn to make that distinction and acknowledge that our mind sometimes comes up with helpful thoughts and sometimes comes up with content that is not so helpful, then we can continue making micro shifts and taking action. And when we make those micro shifts and we take those micro actions, is that 1%, is that tiniest step that is going to have an accumulative effect? Funny, everyone thinks 100%, but that 1% is in everything, right? I- <laughs> For you, how are you able to quiet the white noise, you know, mm-hmm. address your fear to do what you're doing? Thank you for asking. I think making room for that fear, acknowledging it's there. Then I I do ask myself often the question, if I act on this fear, does my life get better, richer and fulfilling or does my life get narrow? So I I So I think I just check, is this action going to be workable and effective in my life or not? So that's one way. But by doing that, I have to say that my mind has getting quiet. It's not quiet all the time, you know, it sometimes backs all types of thoughts, but not engaging on them all the time has been very helpful. Yeah, yeah. And it, with my doctorate program, I was mm-hmm. on the fence with going, it's mm-hmm. it, my, financially, it's taxing, it's kind, the tough. time commitment. And I just said to myself, in four years, like four years is going to go by. Are you still going to be in the same spot or are you going to have a doctorate? And I said, we're going to have a doctorate. And because I didn't want to be in that same spot four years later. So it's that when you said, does it make your life narrow or Mm -hmm. does it expand it? That's what I thought of. I, it's always, well, years going to go by. Do you want to be in the same spot or do you want to be somewhere that could be better? And it's always, let's go to where it could be better. Yeah, it's incredible what happens when we ask ourselves that question. Where do I want to be in X amount of time? And how will it look if I don't take any steps towards that goal? Time goes so fast and I could be chatting for hours with you and learning more about pivoting, but I do have one last question. If you were to have a cup of coffee or tea or beer with any person you want today, who would that be and why? Ah, my favorite question. (laughs) I would love to have a cup of coffee with Eminem the rapper. Wow. And I am such a huge fan. I I do like some of his music, but I love the way his brain works Mm. and the creativity. And I, when the few interviews that he does and I listen to them, I get so inspired because his brain, he's able to connect words and stories in a way that the majority of the world cannot do. And just to have even a 15 minute conversation with him, 
about just how it works. Like, how does he come up with a, a song lyric? Oh, I'd be in heaven. And if anyone is listening who knows Eminem, please get in touch with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Cheryl, <laughs> thank you so much for making the time to chat with me and sharing your expertise. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. And thank you for what you're doing because not enough people are talking about the fear. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I hope we can do this again soon. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, I will very much appreciate it if you will subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. And if you're feeling extra generous, I welcome a review on Apple Podcasts. Show notes of this episode are in the website playingwithsafe.com. Make sure to subscribe to my newsletter so you can receive more tips to stop all types of unworkable playing with safe actions. See you soon!